Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and a parent of two young adults, one of which is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello and welcome. Um, Today I'm really excited to have um, Stephen Shore with me today and to be working with him again. I know we we have worked together in the past, but um, I'm so excited to have you here again. So, um, so Stephen, can you just give everyone a little bit of background? I'm sure a lot of our listeners are already familiar with you, but, um, but for those who aren't, can you give a little bit of background? Yeah, sure. Well, taking it from the beginning, uh, things were pretty typical for the first 18 months, where I was then struck with what I call the regressive autism bomb. And what happens happened to me is what happens to about 30% of us on the spectrum. I lost functional communication, had meltdowns, withdrew from the environment, and a brief, I became a very autistic little kid. There was so little known about autism in those days. So little known that it took my parents a whole year to find a place for diagnosis. And when they did, the doctor said that they had never seen such a sick child and recommended institutionalization. Hmm. However, my parents, uh, ahead of their time, uh, like we see so many parents do today, they advocated on my behalf and they convinced the school to take me in about a year. And it was during that year that my parents implemented what we today would call an intensive home-based early intervention program. And this was a program emphasizing music, movement, sensory integration, narration, and imitation. And I think uh, a real key breakthrough that my parents made was when they realized that attempting to imitate me wouldn't work, Uh, attempting to get me to imitate them wouldn't work. They flipped it around and imitated me, which made me aware of them in my, in my environment. Hmm. And then they were able to move me along. But with the work they did, speech began to return at age four. I got admitted to that school that initially Hmm. rejected me. I got reevaluated. And instead of being considered a psychotic and ready for an institution, I got upgraded to neurotic. So things were looking better. (laughs) then it was on to regular school kindergarten it was a social and academic catastrophe you know what happens to people who are different in grade school fortunately school systems are beginning to realize the bullying is not a developmental phase that people need to go through but something needs to be done about it Uh, i was about a grade behind in most of my subjects because teachers didn't quite know how to reach me. At the same time, I had my highly focused interests. 
So I'd go into the library and get all the books I could on whatever the interest was at that time. It might have been astronomy or earthquakes, volcanoes, space exploration, whatever it was. I'd read them all, take notes, copy diagrams, and then eventually bring them back to the library and get the next set of books. And I think what that translated to is that even though I was sitting there reading my books and wondering if there was more to school, such as reading in groups or doing math, what it translated to is the teachers didn't quite know how to reach me, but since I wasn't a behavior problem, they just left me to my own devices. And it was probably for better rather than for worse. Well, then on to middle and high school. You don't need to be autistic to have difficulties in middle and high school. But for me, it was actually easier because one, I realized that using words instead of sound effects from the environment really helped with social interaction. Mm -hmm. Also, I was able to engage in my special interest in music. I joined the band. Now I had a structured activity in which to mediate my interactions with others. I got so taken up with music that I got it into my autistic head that I needed to learn how to play all the instruments, every last one of them. And so I'd spend hours in the instrument closet, taking instruments apart, putting them together, sometimes combining two or three instruments into creations that never should have seen the light of day. <laughs> and then when I heard that a requirement for a degree in music education was that you had to learn all the instruments that just seemed to be the way to go. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what I did. So that was my bachelor's. That was my master's. That was all of my doctoral coursework. Until after completing the coursework, I started getting more interested in autism. So I defected to the School of Special Ed of the School of Education and got my mm -hmm. doctorate in special education. And uh, at that time, I had also written my wow. book, uh, Beyond the Wall, which is my autobiography. And Mm -hmm. uh, some other books such as self, uh, Ask and Tell, Self-Advocacy and Disclosure for People on the Autism Spectrum and Autism for Dummies. And then I realized, well, maybe I need to finish my dissertation. So I did that. I started giving presentations around the country and around the world and then started teaching at Adelphi University, uh, where I've been for the past 13 years as a professor of special education. And I now devote my time to teaching and researching on issues related to autism. Uh, Pre-pandemic, I was traveling to about one different country a month uh, to talk about autism. I remember. And yeah, I'll I know. We've, we've tried to pin you down many times in the past, and you'd be, you'd be all over the place, which is awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. And I'm still doing about mm -hmm. one country a month, but now it's all online. <laughs> uh, writing books and articles and blog posts uh, on autism. I just published a blog post on psychology today about using our autistic strengths to fight racism. So I gave some ideas uh, on that. Uh, and giving music lessons to cool. autistic children. And that's uh, what I'm doing. That's what brings me to where I am now. 
That's great. And that's one of the things that we uh, have connected on is, you know, given the state that we're in right now, um, and I know people are using, you know, unusual times, uncertain times, um, but whatever you want to call it, I think, you know, many of us are going on this like roller coaster journey and trying to really manage a lot of uncertainty. And um, I know you you had said that you had, oh, no, I'm, I'm doing a talk on on that. And I was like, yes, can you please come and do that um, as a guest? And, and, and so I'm really interested to hear your take, because it looks like you've created some really specific strategies. And I know we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, can you talk to where we're at right now with the whole COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it seems like we're still in some sort of lockdown uh, with some very mm-hmm. cautious uh, moving around outside. My wife and I uh, have been locked down in our home. Uh, this pandemic has resulted in unprecedented amounts of time home with my wife. as mm-hmm. uh, We live just outside of Boston, uh, although my teaching is in New York. So pre-pandemic days, I'd spend half my time in New York teaching, half my time in Boston, and then the third half uh, traveling and speaking to conferences. And those three mm-hmm. halves equal a whole because that's some kind of new math. So <laughs> once they kicked us off of campus on uh, uh, March 8th, uh, right. I made a run for the border and have been home ever since. So we're now entering, I guess, the sixth month and being yep. home. Fortunately, we like each other, so it's working out just great. Yeah, I'm just as lucky, so I am. I, we are lucky, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with, with the pandemic, it's a matter of just being very mindful of various things, such as uh, routines, communication, and self-care, which make up what I call the big three. And that is uh, maintaining okay. routines as much as possible. Uh, uh, we all like routines, uh, autistic or otherwise. Uh, yeah. Certainly with the pandemic, we're going to need to adjust these routines uh, as needed. So then the question is, uh, how can we keep them as close to what they were before uh, um, to uh, maintain some sense of order? So a mm-hmm. common some common uh, adjustments that may need to be made uh, may include schooling. So somebody who has, so we all have routines. If if you're a kid, your routine is to get up, you do various things in the morning, have breakfast, and then you you're shipped off to school at 8.30 or whenever the bus comes or however you get to school. And then there's various school routines and then you go home. Well, now school is at home. So what that means is keeping the schedule, everything the way it was, right until it's time to go outside and say, wait for the school bus. That's how you're going to school. Now the schedule needs to be changed to, we go to this certain area of the house uh, or apartment or uh, wherever you're living, it may be a desk. Uh, So the schedule now is you transition from wherever you were, maybe you were in the in the den watching TV before you would go out to get the bus or somehow, however you got to school. Uh, Now you transition to your desk where schooling takes place. Mm 
at home. And uh, a common thing that uh, begins the school day is some maybe some sort of opening circle where you teachers would recognize all the students taking attendance and so on. And now maybe we could have some sort of uh, opening circle with the family at home, uh, just keeping track of where everybody is before starting the day. Uh, the child now starting school uh, in a remote situation. Uh, the parents now working at home, very likely, and also at the same time unexpectedly becoming teachers uh, to their child. So that's also an adjustment. Uh, there's, yeah. the, uh, there's the clear communication piece, uh, which is the keeping of the schedule. So that might be for some of us, it might be a, a picture schedule. For others, it's a word schedule. Maybe it's inside an iPhone or some sort of uh, tablet, or it's written on a piece of paper. But whatever that is, and however it's done, keep that schedule going in the best way that we communicate. And then the third part is the self-care piece. And the self-care piece uh, may be as simple as taking a short break. So uh, this is something that can be done by both uh, those who support and take care of autistic people and also for us autistic people. And one example might be to just right. stop what you're doing, you exhale slowly and deliberately, and as you exhale, uh, you, think that you're, you think about exhaling stress. And then when you inhale, you inhale calm. And you do that a few times and you'll probably relax. So that's just an example of self-care, uh, taking short breaks. So it's those big three that I use as a sort of structure to think about uh, ways to cope. And I've come up with 10 ways to cope uh, for when normal coping routines are disrupted. Yeah. And I think it, um, something you said just now with uh, families being home and, you know, it, it it's, it's something with the, the morning circle, right. Or that morning check-in that a student oh. would have with their teacher. Um, I really love this idea of doing it as a family because everyone kind of needs this check-in right now. And everyone kind of needs, I would call it a little bit of a, a centering or a grounding, you know, before jumping into the day and kind of keeping some sense of, like you said, order and structure. Um, and I think that just that simple thing, you know, can be really helpful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. You know, yeah. I certainly had to keep, uh, make sure I keep my routines and being mindful, for example, of movement. We take, for, we take it for granted that we moved to get to our workplace and there's a, there's a certain amount of incidental exercises. Mm -hmm. You walk from one office to another, uh, as me as professor, standing up and pacing as I teach, or maybe walking across campus uh, for lunch or to have a meeting with somebody else. And all that is suddenly gone. Right. So right. what I've done is I've made sure to spin my elliptical bike for an hour, an hour and a half every other day to mm -hmm. make sure I get exercise. And I think that's something, that's an important thing that people need to keep in mind. Otherwise, you're just sitting in a chair all day. 
Yeah. Yeah. We've had to do that at, at home too. I know my husband jokes that he didn't realize how much exercise he got walking from one conference room to the next, or he also travels a lot. So it would be, you know, while he's enjoying remote work, it is that you could just get stuck sitting at that table or desk or whatever for, you know, eight to 10 hours and go, oh yeah, I forgot to move around. I forgot to eat or whatever, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we have to be mindful about these things. Yep. Yep. So I'm curious, you said you had uh, your 10, um, what'd you call them? Your 10 tips? 10, 10 tips or 10 ways to cope when your normal coping routines are disrupted. And I got uh, these ideas or a lot of these ideas from a colleague of mine, Dina Gasner, who is a doctoral student in social work at Adelphi University. Uh, she's also amazing. A- yeah, I've worked with her. Yeah, she's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So you should check out, everybody should check out her uh, self-care for autistic videos, a video uh, where she uh, lists a number of ways, uh, maybe about 15, just some things to keep in mind uh, in order to better cope with your situation. And she being an autistic person directed at autistic people. But certainly those who are not autistic can use this information as sort of intelligence to either keep themselves sorted uh, or to support an autistic person. So let's take a look at some of those. Yes, please. That'd be great. So one of them is to remain connected with family, friends, uh, support people, and those who are important to you. So where is your husband? Uh, He said he travels quite a bit, and he maintained physical connections just by seeing people Mm -hmm. uh, and getting around like we all did uh, with our colleagues and friends and going out to eat or whatever activities we may do. Now we're stuck at home. So we have to be more mindful. That requires a lot of mindfulness. It's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, We need to be mindful about remaining connected, uh, however that gets done. So that may be done through the phone. It might be done through social media, perhaps through some sort of texting or instant messaging application. Uh, However it is best done, uh, make sure to remain connected on a regular basis. And so I spend a lot of time on the phone talking to people who I ordinarily would see, but now it has to be done on the phone. Right. Another thing to consider is uh, us autistic people are susceptible to fusing to emotions with others. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of anxiety uh, about the COVID-19 pandemic. So if we're feeling uh, particularly anxious and uh, worried, uh, certainly there's a lot to be anxious about and a lot to be worried about. Uh, however, it's important to consider, are we absorbing this anxiety from watching CNN, which is often seems to be on a sort of tape loop every 20 minutes, oh, uh, the same horrible things happening again and again? I think that's every news channel, yes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or it might be friends or others, colleagues interacting with as you remain connected. I also think social media is is 
playing a big piece too, you know, with all just a constant stream of information as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. We get information much faster mm -hmm. than we've ever gotten before. Right. And uh, uh, so that way it can be an overload of information. Uh, the latest being that explosion in uh, Beirut. Beirut, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how many times have you seen that on TV? And, <laughs> and then when they show it, there's this particular video. I think it's about two minutes and 47 seconds. It's on YouTube. Uh, but it seems to be shown everywhere. Uh, and you see the explosion from many different angles right. over and over again during, the, during that video. And while I guess it can be interesting and maybe even somewhat geeky to look at it from different angles, uh, it still is anxiety producing. Right. And then how many times does that video get played on social media, on TV? Yep. Yep. So that's, that's another important thing to keep in mind. Uh, another one is develop and differentiate between plan A and plan B. So mm -hmm. plan A is... Generally, what you do, for me, it was being a professor and teaching my students in class. It was traveling to various countries and uh, spending a lot of time with friends. And now plan B is to do what I can to accomplish those things. I still give a lot of workshops, uh, but now they're done online. I'm making really good use of my computer and internet connectivity. All my work is done online, all my teaching. Uh, that's all online now. Right. And uh, for, uh, um, I'd spend a lot of time eating out, uh, either with my wife or with friends. And now all meals at home are at home. So since, <laughs> yes. since uh, uh, probably since uh, March 9th, uh, every single meal has been uh, uh, assembled and eaten at home. Right. Just because it's too risky to go out. So that's another example of a plan B. So you've got to have a plan B and maybe even a plan C. <laughs> yes, these days I think a plan C can be really helpful too. Yeah, 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 it really can. Uh, people need to be outside, especially when it's bright and sunny. And right now it looks pretty bright and sunny outside. So it's important to get outside, taking a walk, uh, keeping a safe physical distance, the term social distancing is, now I'm not sure if that's the right term, because if we focus on being socially distant, uh, that's, that means you're becoming a hermit. Right. That's yeah, you're the second do. person that has, yeah, has brought that up about being socially distant. Um, that, that, I mean, I think we kind of generally understand what we mean by that, but it does right? It does say, well, no, we, we really need to be more connected, <laughs> yeah. but it just might not be in physical proximity, right? So we're like physically distant, but not socially distant, I think. Right. Yeah. So it's a physical distance uh, that we're keeping, not a social distance. So if, uh, the more we can use the term physical distancing, I think the better off we'll be. So we can still go outside uh, for walks, jogging, running, if that's what you're into, riding by a bicycle, uh, whatever you do outside, just make sure it's done in a safe manner. And that's important for many, many people to get outside. Another important yep. aspect is that uh, 
keeping safe during the COVID-19 pandemic requires a lot more cognitive energy. So going outside is a big deal because uh, you have to uh, you have to uh, plan your movements. You have to wear a mask uh, for a number of things. You need gloves, and maybe you need more than one pair of gloves mm -hmm. to uh, accomplish a task. Because uh, once the gloves get contaminated, uh, it's just like uh, as if you're not wearing gloves and your hands are contaminated, and you might have to peel them off and put on a clean set of gloves. So that's also Right. And not just all that I like requires more energy. A lot of that. And then you raise a good point because I liken that to um, when you go to, I, I'm from New York also, and I, I can distinctly think of going to a deli and the person who was serving me assembled the food with gloves on and everything and then kept the gloves on and then went to the cash register. <laughs> and I was like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> it, so it's sort of that same thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all you've done is, all that person has done is protected themselves against a certain amount right. of contamination, right. not else. Uh, it's, a, it's a variation on um, after, you cut, after you cut raw chicken on a, um, on a cutting board, uh, you have to really wash that cutting board off uh, before you use it again, say for vegetables. Right. Uh, so yep. avoid yep. contamination. Well, you just use a different one. So it's uh, kind of that True. type of yes. <laughs> And uh, going on, continuing on, um, uh, many of us autistic people, uh, those of us who are supporting autistic people, may think uh, about uh, regression. Well, suddenly we're spending a lot more time spinning a spinner or engaging in various uh, self-stimulatory behavior. Uh, maybe we've given up carrying around an old stuffed cat that we needed to squeeze years ago, but suddenly that, uh, that uh, dusty old thing is important again and we're carrying it around. Uh, so is that a regression mm -hmm. or do we reframe it? as a self-regulatory, a coping, or a coping action. And I think everybody's engaging in various coping actions, uh, autistic or otherwise. And it may be getting re-involved in a certain TV series, uh, listening to music, uh, us autistic people may be rocking, humming, or stimming more. And as long as it's not disrupting our lives, uh, then I say go to it because that helps us right. cope during stressful times. So there may be more self-regulatory actions than uh, we, would, we are used to seeing in both the autistic and non-autistic world. So right. Now, I, I wonder, too, some people who are feeling particularly anxious also... Um, you know, because I, I, I'm also I also talk to my you know my own therapist about it. Is sometimes it's oh right I have to find those tools again that I I maybe I learned and I put them on the side because I was doing Plan A like we were talking about before and things seemed just swimmingly right. you know everything was going all right and now I have to go back to remember what those tools were and remember how to use them um, and so. One thing that, you know, the work, some work that I did was 
coming up with a list of tools that I forgot or that I needed and pulling them back out again and maybe adding some new ones to the list so that I can, you know, remember, oh, right, I do part of that self-care and, I, and part of self-regulation is pulling those tools out again. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, getting to reacquainted with those tools, maybe you'll develop some new ones to help you cope. So uh, that's important. And related to that is also the concept of taking care of yourself so that you can care for others. So that's the self-care piece coming back. And whatever that is. So in the bad old days when we used to fly, pre-pandemic days, there'd always be this announcement uh, by the flight attendants, a safety announcement, put on your own mask first, your oxygen mask first before helping others. Because if you don't, you might pass out and then you won't be able to help anybody else. So that means doing what you need to do. Take care of yourself. It might be that uh, quick breathing break that I talked about before. You might have your own strategies. And even if it's uh, taking a bubble bath with a rubber ducky, then that's just what you do to take care of yourself so that you're available to support others. Uh, Personal health is also an important one. Uh, mm-hmm. If you take medication, uh, maybe it will be helpful to have some sort of pill organizer if you take a lot of medication. Uh, maintaining personal health is also uh, making sure you get enough exercise and you do whatever else you need to do. Some people meditate, so make sure you keep doing that. If you don't, maybe it might be a good time to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was seeing the doctor where possible. I went for an annual physical last uh, last month. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was safe to do so, but then I figured if the doctor thought it was safe to to see me, then it's it's probably safe to go. Uh, mm-hmm. So I went, and that was more than certainly more than two weeks ago. I didn't get COVID, so I guess it was okay. And again, in doing those things, like taking the same precautions that we talked about before, Um, I know I did my annual physical too, and it was, they took my temperature. When I arrived, they had me fill out a questionnaire and then they, you know, sent me, and it was really, I was one of maybe two people in the waiting room and we were very far apart. I think people are taking really good precautions, especially in a healthcare setting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, when I went to the, for my physical, uh, they made me exchange my mask for their mask because I guess the hospital trusts their own masks more. So sure. that was fine. <laughs> yeah. So it's, the, it's the little things. Uh, what I did notice is that very few people wear gloves. Right. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, uh, uh if washing your hands is enough, uh, or, or what it is, but I think it's important to wear them uh, as mm-hmm. needed. And maybe they also help to remind you that you shouldn't be touching your face. Yes, that's true. So that's an easy way for it to, uh, for the, you know, for the virus to be transmitted. And uh, speaking of which, uh, everybody should have a little kit with them. Uh, keep a, a number of gloves and masks uh, in a Ziploc bag uh, when I go outside. Uh, and also a number of them in case I need to 
change these items. And even if I think I'm just going for a drive and I'm not going to go outside, I still, I still bring them because uh, something unexpected might happen and I do need to go out and right. interact with others. And speaking of going outside, bring as little as possible. Mm -hmm. So because whatever goes out has to be uh, quarantined or disinfected when it comes back. Right. So usually I'm used to carrying around a knapsack uh, with all my stuff in it uh, to, you know, for teaching. And uh, just, it's a good place. It's a, I guess it's a sort of man purse, except a knapsack <laughs> is better because it keeps your hands free. Uh, so that stays home now. Right, and right. In fact, even, even my entire wallet stays home. So it doesn't have to be disinfected uh, when I return. And all I bring out, bring with me is driver's license, a credit card, sometimes two in case something happens to one of them. And, um, and just the keys that I need, the house keys and the single car key that I need to, to reduce what, you know, what needs to be disinfected when I return. If you don't have gloves or if you don't have a mask at that time, you can always improvise by creating a face covering. There's many, many YouTube videos on how to create masks uh, out of old T-shirts and other materials. So something is always better than nothing if you don't right. have a formal mask. And then finally, there's protocols for returning home and accepting items from the outside. Uh, so again, less is more. The less you bring out, the less you have to bring back and disinfect. In quarantine, we quarantine things for 24 hours at a space uh, near uh, near the near our entrance. Uh, so outside outside sh shoes are outside shoes. Inside shoes are inside shoes. And it's at that point where we change from inside or, or outside shoes to the other. Uh, so that way, uh, the house doesn't get contaminated. So yeah, that's a, set of shoes. yeah, that's a good point. I have um, some friends and friends whose, you know, children are, you know, adult children are working and still have to work. So they are essential personnel, um, healthcare workers right. and grocery workers and that kind of thing. And what they do is when they get to their one, one actually has a bathroom right off of like a mud room, which is great. So Oh, she yeah. takes off everything and throws it right in the washing machine and showers as soon as she gets home. Um, but others have like a, just, they leave like a, a trash bag at the door. And when they get home, they just put all their stuff in there and then run to the bathroom and wash up. But, but I think that's a really good point because this way also helps with your transition of, you know, get rid of that stuff and now put on fresh things and can transition home, I think. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, if if you've gone out for, if you if you're coming back from shopping, uh, food needs to be uh, quarantined as well. A uh, sink of warm soapy water can be helpful to wash some things, uh, such as a carton of milk. You can wash that and then put it in the refrigerator. Some foods, such as um, uh, like a pound cake, you can't really wash that. Uh, that won't work. Pasta won't work to be washed. But these things can be left outside in quarantine for 24 hours uh, where possible. 
Uh, and as you said, uh, your friend who has that bathroom with a shower uh, and uh, a washing machine uh, right outside the entrance, uh, that's perfect. Uh, uh, otherwise, you can improvise with a plastic bag, uh, but immediately shower when you get home so that you don't contaminate uh, the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly feeling free to reduce expectations as needed. Uh, because it takes more cognitive energy and more effort just to remain safe, it's going to be less available for um, productivity. So getting back to Dina Gassner, who I mentioned before, uh, she, has a, um, uh, she has set a goal for herself to write a certain number of words or pages per day for her dissertation. And she realizes that she's not always going to reach that goal because she's expended energy in remaining safe by going outside or when going yeah. outside. I think that's important because I think a lot of people during this time are have actually increased their expectations in general. It's like, oh, well, I'm I'm home now or I don't have that commute, so I should add other things onto my plate. Like, oh, maybe I'll start, you know, this that book that I wanted to start, or maybe I'll take those classes that I hadn't taken. And I think some of that can be great. But to your point, it never, you know, it never, I never thought of it in the context of, I, you know, I'm using more cognitive energy and just a lot of mental um, capacity in readjusting my life. And those things might not be something to actually take on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's important to be aware of. And also uh, knowing, uh, being familiar with resources. Uh, that are out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, many organizations such as A&E, Autism Speaks, Autism Society of America, uh, you know, organizations outside of the country uh, as well uh, are increasing the number of resources on their websites for helping to us autistic people to cope with the COVID-19 pandemic. There mm-hmm. are education companies uh, for example, dozens, probably hundreds by now, that are offering free subscriptions and access to their materials uh, uh, during uh, while schools are closed to right. help parents and educators too to figure out how to teach online or to support mm-hmm. uh, education online. Yeah, no, and and it's really great to find them. I I think people, um, many people rallied really quickly to be able to offer, you know, meditation classes, you know, yoga classes, a lot of physical things, but also a lot of tools and resources um, that normally would be for a fee of subscriptions to certain apps, like lots and lots of stuff had been uh, quickly available for people and those things have not changed and they've not gone away. So definitely looking for things that would be helpful for, for you as, you know, as you're moving through this process. Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. really it's a matter of just being mindful of what you're doing, uh, keeping safe, uh, connected with keeping connected with others. And uh, hopefully Uh, the pandemic will lift soon and 
we can resume uh, more physical contact. Right, right. Yeah, so I think this, um, you know, again, like you said, hopefully this will um, pass soon. Uh, but I think, you know, I think we're still in it for, for, for a little while. Um, yeah, we and are. I think, yeah, we're going to, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to think about, and I've talked about this a little bit before and some blogs and things that I've written about what the transition looks like going back. And um, that's going mm-hmm. to be a, a whole nother process. And I know schools right now, um, and I'm not sure what the situation is with Adelphi, but a lot of schools just have not announced what they're doing, whether it's a public school, you know, K through 12, or whether it's a college um, or other types of schooling. There, there are many who still don't know what they're doing in the fall, and that's really theoretically only like four weeks away. <laughs> oh, that's so true. I mean, many of the school systems in Massachusetts, uh, I've seen a, a increasing numbers of them are indicating that they're starting the fall online right? before transitioning to some sort of face-to-face, perhaps hybrid or blended type of education. Uh, but nobody knows when that's going to start. Right. Uh, my, my university, Adelphi, has given, is giving students and faculty uh, the options of teaching on campus or teaching online or some some sort of combination of the two. Mm-hmm. So for next semester, I'm going to teach 100% online uh, just to make sure that I can keep safe. And also there's the real possibility that uh, the semester might be disrupted if there's an unexpected increase right. in cases and we all got kicked off of campus again. Yes. Delphi, like many other students, have also many other colleges have also decided that they're sending everybody home after Thanksgiving break. So you go okay. home for Thanksgiving and you just stay home for the rest. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> Don't come back. Uh, you're still expected to teach and learn though. And so mm-hmm. that, so right. the last month of the semester will be online anyways. And then so it makes sense to do that whole, just to do the semester. It sounds like for you, um, you know, doing that semester, just the whole thing online probably does make sense then. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. So that's what I'll do. And then Mm -hmm. we'll see how things are looking for the spring semester. Yep, yep. And that's the other thing is taking things um, in smaller chunks, right? Like we can't take on the whole year, <laughs> we can only yeah, take right. on, right, these little bits. Um, and I think some of this is being uncomfortable with uncertainty, which can be really hard for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, you don't need to be autistic to have, <laughs> to be challenged by uncertainty. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, a lot of these tips are perfect for, like, everyone, honestly, I think, um, we all need that structure. I, I keep visualizing, uh, like you mentioned at the beginning, like the schedule. Um, and, you know, as an elementary teacher, I used to have a visual schedule, of course, on my blackboard in the morning. Everyone would know what was happening for the day. And right. I think it would just be great, like at home, to have the schedule. I know our family coordinates schedules, you know, the night before because we all are online and we're trying to navigate each other's 
you know, quiet time for being online. Um, but it's, if we, you know, if my kids were younger or something, it would be really cool to have like that visual schedule. So everyone would know what was happening for the day. Oh yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. It helps everybody. Right. right. Just like with, uh, uh, just like, uh, with various strategies that we come up for autistic people, be it in school, be it at home or in the community or employment, uh, these strategies tend up tend to benefit everybody else as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. I think this is it's been helpful for me, and hopefully, those listening um, can take some of these uh, and and implement them and use them as we kind of move into this, you know, fall time, um, and you know, be prepared for what comes next. Oh, my pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can catch up on a different topic because you have so many things to offer. Oh, I'll be glad to come back and talk about any one of a number of other subjects. Great. And if people want to find you to get more information, where's the best place that they can find out more about you and what you do and your resources? Uh, Best place to go is at the following website, www.com. DrStephenShore.com. Excellent. And I will put that in the notes so that people um, have that available for them to find you. All right. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join our email list at thespectrumstrategy.com, you can get a code to attend one of my online courses for free. See you next time.